Welcome to China in Focus. I'm Tiffany Meyer. Our top story, a Chinese citizen reportedly detained on spying charges in her homeland after working for a U.S. company. Find out what went down and why doing business in China might be riskier than you think. Maritime tensions between China and Taiwan are heating up. Chinese officers boarded a Taiwanese tourist boat without warning in Taiwan-controlled waters. How urgent is the situation? The Philippines Fishing Bureau accuses China of dumping toxic chemicals in waters near a disputed shoal. What's behind the regime's motive? And a massive sandstorm turns the sky of northwest China orange, affecting cities in the Xinjiang region. See more footage of the powerful winds. A Chinese citizen has been reportedly detained under Beijing's so-called espionage law. According to The Guardian, 50-year-old Emily Chen once worked for an American company. She vanished after taking a trip to the eastern Chinese city of Nanjing in December. The report cited her husband, Mark Lent, a U.S. citizen. He said Chen touched base with her family upon landing, but she never got to leave the airport. Just days later, authorities issued a letter to Chen's son saying she had been arrested for what they called handing out state secrets to foreign parties. This charge could bring a maximum 10-year prison sentence, or worse, depending on the seriousness of the case. While working to raise funds for his wife's legal battle, Lent said Chen was just a bystander who would, quote, never, ever spy on her own country. And Chen's son, also a Chinese citizen, was barred from leaving China. Last year, Chen worked as a freelancer for U.S. logistics firm Safe Ports between January and April. The company's CEO said the company was looking for an office space in Dalian City, but added that she has no clue as to why Chen was arrested. The CEO also said that doing business in China is becoming impossible, given Beijing's hostility toward foreigners. The communist regime updated its counter-espionage law last year. It covers a wide range of elements, including all documents, data, materials and articles concerning China's national security and interests. But the law didn't clearly define the term national security. Experts have warned that the provisions could apply to normal businesses, including those from foreign countries. The report says Chen is currently being held under China's residential surveillance at a designated location. This system allows authorities to lock people up for up to six months without letting them appeal or speak to their lawyers and families. To discuss more on the risks of doing business in China, we sit down with John Pelson, author of Wireless Wars. John Pelson, thank you so much for joining us. Great to have you back on the show. Good to be here, Tiffany. Now, a Chinese citizen has been reportedly detained in China under Beijing's so-called Espionage Act. What do you make of this? You know, this is the problem with China's crackdown on foreign activity in their own country, even while they're trying to supposedly encourage people to continue investing. The new Chinese national security law has some very unusual provisions, in it, including for Chinese citizens now, you don't have to just jeopardize state secrets or national security. It's now anything involving national interest or the honor of the country. That puts you in danger of violating their national security law. You can argue anything hurts national interest. And when you no longer have to violate state security, but 
do anything that, in the Chinese court's opinion, hurts Chinese uh, interests, then I think anyone who's setting foot in that country to do business or anything else is putting themselves in jeopardy. What does this tell us about maybe the Chinese Communist Party's nature, if it's even going after its own citizens? Yeah, if you're a citizen in China that's crossed the Chinese Communist Party, you have trouble, as everyone knows that. You don't want to be facing that government in court, if they even want to call it that, because uh, as you saw in her case, she just disappeared. There wasn't even any uh, contact made to the family for, for many days. I think the, uh, the irony is that uh, China has such a dominant handle on ports around the world. This is a global port company that was looking to do some business with China, perhaps in China. And if they're smart, they'll start cutting back any involvement they have with, uh, with business in China. It's just dangerous for their people to be there. And, and despite China's efforts to try and bring companies into the country and shore up this horrible hemorrhaging of foreign investment, which is so important to their survival, they're, while the one hand is trying to encourage people to come in, the other hand is, is making it so dangerous. How do you read the current investor mood in China where there is this increased risk, but China's economy is also struggling? How much do they need that foreign investment? Well, this is where you get the danger of an echo chamber around Chairman Xi. He may have people telling him, this is how you can maintain control. You have to have a, maintain this iron fist that has been his own style for sure. He doesn't need any advisors to tell him that. But the problem is, are his advisors not telling him that by doing this, you're going to chase out what investment we can continue to bring into the country. He may not be getting uh, useful advice telling him about the dangers this presents to the Chinese economy and can push them, I think, into a spiral. If they keep cracking down like this, fewer and fewer companies will do business there. John Pelson, thank you so much for your time. Thanks, Tiffany. Tensions between China and Taiwan are escalating, especially in the waters surrounding Kinmen, a group of islands controlled by Taiwan. Kinmen is situated only about three miles from the southern Chinese city of Xiamen. Many speculate whether the recent back and forth in the region could be a focal point of future conflicts between the two sides. On Monday, six Chinese Coast Guard officers briefly boarded a Taiwanese tourist boat nearby Kinmen and conducted a series of checks. That's after Chinese authorities threatened to carry out regular operations in the region the day before. Kinmen has been under Taiwanese government's control since 1949, and Taiwan designates the waters around the city as a prohibited or restricted zone. Under Taiwanese rules, Chinese vessels are not allowed to enter the prohibited waters without permission. Last week, two Chinese fishermen who had entered the prohibited waters died while fleeing Taiwanese coast guards. Beijing lashed out at the operation, saying China doesn't acknowledge any of the prohibited zones ruled by Taiwan. China has a history of harassing and monitoring Taiwanese boats, and recently these aggressions have been on the rise. Beijing sees Taiwan as its own territory, despite having never ruled it. The head of the Chinese regime has repeatedly threatened to take Taiwan by force if necessary. Turning our attention now to the South China Sea, the Philippines has accused China of pumping toxic cyanide into waters near the disputed Scarborough Shoal. The chemical compound is often used to stun and kill fish en masse, so they can be easily scooped up. It's deemed illegal in many countries as cyanide could affect most marine species and harm the ecosystem. It also renders fish poisonous to eat. 
A Filipino official said the estimated damage could total more than $17 million. The Scarborough Shoal is internationally recognized as part of the Philippines' territory. But since 2012, China has been deploying patrol vessels and warships into the region to prevent Philippine fishermen from reaching the island. Washington is considering joining the EU's clamping down on Moscow's foreign support for the first time since the war broke out. U.S. lawmakers are considering sanctioning Chinese firms that have aided Russia in the war with Ukraine. Democratic Senator Gerald Connolly told CNBC on Monday that the sanctions that can, quote, really take hold in Russia and are affecting Russian productivity, economic performance and quality of life can also be applied to China. Warning the second biggest economy in the world, frankly, China has a lot more to lose than Russia. Last week, EU policymakers began a new trade sanction proposal targeting Chinese companies aiding Moscow. If passed, it could ban European firms from working with certain Chinese entities. Despite Beijing's denial, evidence indicates China has been assisting Russia. A Homeland Security official recently warned that China has helped Russia and Iran steal U.S. intellectual property assets to advance their weapons. What's more, trade between China and Russia has increased by over 26 percent in 2023. Washington's top diplomat Antony Blinken raised concerns with his Chinese counterpart last week about Beijing's support for Russia's defense forces. The increasing number of sanctions could escalate tensions between the two countries. Beijing urged Washington to stop interrogating and harassing Chinese nationals at U.S. Customs. This comes after several Chinese students were denied entry to the country and had their U.S. visas canceled. Washington cited national security concerns as the institutions they attended have links to Beijing's military. The European Union is investigating TikTok. The EU industry chief posted on X that they suspect TikTok is breaching transparency agreements and not upholding obligations to protect minors. Key concerns include addictive design and the algorithm funneling viewers to more extreme content, as well as potentially inadequate age verification and default privacy settings. TikTok's parent company could face fines of up to 6% of global revenue if found guilty of breaching EU rules. As China's economic environment faces numerous challenges, more private business owners say it's hard to run their companies. NTD talked to two of them to find out more of what they are experiencing. Here's the story. Kim owns a high-end medical materials company. He said his previous clients from the U.S., Europe, Japan and Australia have all turned to other Asian countries like India or Malaysia. He blames this on China's aggressive diplomacy towards the foreign governments, saying it's making things really difficult for them to keep the international businesses. He said he had no choice but to lay off a lot of his employees, and his company is not an isolated case in China. There have been too many closures, almost 30 percent of local businesses. The businesses are dead. It appears there is no way for them to be reopened again. Although NTD can't verify the data on how many businesses have closed in Wuhan, footage shows a wide range of store closures in the city. And the situation is not confined to the private sector. State-owned enterprises, known for their stability, are also facing challenges. Another business owner, Zhang, raised the example of Chinese state-owned saltworks. Zigong is home to China's biggest salt-producing industry. 
Zhang exposed that many large salt work entities there have been shutting down one after another. Over 5,500 employees in this sector have lost their jobs. In the past five to eight years, before the pandemic, these businesses started closing down. And when the pandemic hit, some had closed down completely. The sentiment among Chinese nationals toward the economy and the authority has reached an historic low point. Updates from China, a sandstorm sweeping parts of northwest China over the weekend, including cities in the Xinjiang region. In a video posted on social media on Saturday, travelers at a train station in Tamshuk found themselves immersed in a rust-colored landscape. Local officials issued a warning saying visibility in the city was less than 165 feet and banned vehicles from traveling on some roads. Images posted online show cars with broken windows, possibly shattered by strong winds. That says another part of Xinjiang was hit by a snowstorm. More than 40,000 tourists were stranded over the weekend. Coming up, how bad is Evergrande's collapse? Over $300 billion in debt, about 20 million unfinished homes, and one buyer swearing off China investments. North Korea welcoming its first group of post-pandemic tourists from Russia. Is this a sign of deepening diplomatic relations? And hundreds of lanterns filling up the night sky in Taiwan. How people there are celebrating the traditional lantern festival and the year of the dragon. More on that after the break here on China in Focus. Welcome back to China in Focus. I'm Tiffany Meyer. Following the collapse of Evergrande, China's once largest developer, around 20 million unfinished housing units have been left in China. In a northern Chinese city, one buyer said he'd lost confidence and didn't want to invest in China again. Here's more. In the northern Chinese city of Shijiaguang, a massive apartment complex lies unfinished behind a fence. For the industrial city's 11 million residents, it's a daily reminder of the collapse of China's once-largest developer, Evergrande. Construction on the Central Plaza project promised 1,800 new homes. But the project stalled in 2021 after China Evergrande Group defaulted. This 38-year-old resident, who declined to give his name, paid more than 350,000 US dollars for two units. In the winter of 2017, I spent two and a half million yuan buying two apartments. The project was intermittently halted in 2020 due to issues with resettlement housing and debt, leading to a complete stop after Evergrande's financial troubles became public at the end of 2021. The total sales volume of this project was around 2 billion yuan, probably affecting over 1,000 homes, although I don't have the exact figure. As of now, the main contractor has pulled out, and the project's progress is painfully slow. Despite the government's attempts to push forward, the effects have been barely noticeable, and we seem to have no other way to resolve this issue. A government notice on the site says the project is now seeking a new developer. But that doesn't help buyers, who paid in full two years ago and are now waiting for a lifeline. At the end of January, a Hong Kong court ordered Evergrande to be liquidated, but the process could take years. Evergrande said the company would work to finish ongoing projects despite the order. Meanwhile, China said that the completion of unfinished homes is a policy priority. But the anonymous buyer says he's now lost faith in the company's management capabilities and will never invest in China again. 
Investment bank Nomura estimates there are around 20 million unfinished housing units across China, left by Evergrande and other failed developers. Their report estimates the funding gap for completing these projects stands at around $446 billion. State-owned developers and local governments have recently taken over some stalled projects under a government-run policy in recent months, according to official announcements and media reports. China has not disclosed how much funding has been provided to complete those stranded developments or the number of projects authorities have taken on. China's stocks have lost trillions of dollars in recent years, and this leaves investors with decisions to make. Underscore, a publisher at the journal Political Risk, says stock investors are choosing the U.S. and Japan instead. Here's the explanation he told NTD's Kevin Hogan. China's, uh, the China regime is doing all sorts of crazy policies. I think that, you know, some of them we last tried in 2008 during the financial crisis and it didn't work out. For example, the latest ban on short selling that's going into place today. Um, so, you know, investors are seeing these, what some people call deregist policies, which are overly command economy policies. Um, to try to boost up the stock market. I mean, plans for hundreds of billions of dollars of regime funding that's going to be plowed into stocks and, and Chinese stocks. People just don't trust that sort of uh, non-market approach. So what is the U.S. and Japan doing that China's not making it more appealing? Well, I mean, in short, we have a free market. China has a command control uh, economy or close to it. And, uh, you know, Xi Jinping is doing all sorts of things that make investors nervous. Uh, for example, threatening Taiwan with an invasion. Uh, if he did that, it would completely cut down uh, international trade between China and the rest of the world because there'd be consequences. It'd be huge economic sanctions. And you already see what, what the Europeans call de-risking, the Democrats call de-risking, uh, and Republicans call decoupling, which is really all the same thing, um, which is, you know, it, it, in advance of these, uh, uh, of this, because of, simply because of the risk that China would uh, invade Taiwan. Turning our attention now to China's neighbor, North Korea, the communist nation has welcomed a group of foreign travelers from Russia. They're reportedly the first from any country to visit North Korea since the COVID-19 pandemic. The tour comes amid deepening ties between the two nations, with both of them locked in their own disputes with the U.S. and its allies. For Russia, visiting Europe and the U.S. is difficult now because of Western sanctions over the war in Ukraine. But North Korea became an alternative last October when Russia's foreign minister introduced the country as a vacation destination. To some, the trip came as a surprise, especially as Asia observers expected the first group of post-pandemic travelers to come from China, a critical diplomatic and economic ally of North Korea. In Taiwan, a colorful event to celebrate the Lantern Festival and the Chinese New Year. Hundreds of paper lanterns floated into the night sky. The Sky Lantern Festival began in 1999 in a mountainous district of New Taipei. It marks the end of the New Year celebrations. Participants write their wishes for the New Year on the lanterns. It could be as personal as a smooth love life to more serious topics such as peace for countries at war.
I want my friends and family to be healthy and I want the world to be peaceful. And then my own love life also has to go smoothly as well. In fact, I wrote on the Sky Lantern, be brave and believe. That is to say, I hope that when I encounter challenges in my new job, I can keep my original intention and then face the new challenges well. The Sky Lantern Festival attracted thousands of visitors from Asia and the world. The festival was held for the 26th time this year. That's all for today's China In Focus. I'm Tiffany Meyer. If you have any feedback on the show or have something you'd like to see us cover, send us an email at chinainfocusntd.com. We'd love to hear from you. Thanks for watching. See you tomorrow. Coming up on NTD, stay tuned for America's Hope with Kelly Wright. Don't miss tonight's episode of America's Hope with Kelly Wright as Kelly explores the difficult topic of child exploitation and sits down to talk with survivors Elizabeth Smart and Sharice Brown and how their triumph is bringing healing to many. All starting very shortly at 10 p.m. Thanks for watching. See you tomorrow.